He's from Philly, that's why. Philadelphia. Welcome uh, to the Blue Ridge Church. Uh, oh, and my clicker. Thanks, Aaron. Uh, great job, Aaron. Uh, welcome to the uh, Blue Ridge Church of Christ. And uh, we're here today to, to begin our kickoff uh, for our, our year, our new year, our new theme. So we dive into a new book. Not quite yet, but we're going to dive into a lot of new things in the next few weeks, which is very um, exciting. Uh, really exciting that uh, Lilane is here from the Philippines. Uh, from our sister church there in Manila. How big is the church in Manila? It's gigantic, right? It's like, it's like thousands, right? It's thousands, so there you go. So a pretty big church there in Manila. Pretty cool. So excited to, to if you have not met Lilane, uh, please meet her. We've only met via internet, so it's nice to... We welcome you, Lilane. Welcome to Blue Ridge. Welcome to America for the first time. Uh, so please uh, welcome her. Uh, so we up? Not quite yet. We're up now. The good news, the good news is, I don't know, we're going to find out. Uh, the good news is, we're gonna, you know, there's, there's, for all of us in this room, we're all coming from very different spots, um, you know, all the different walks of life. It, it was great yesterday to be at the Bible Talk Leaders Retreat uh, in Richmond. It was, it was a very exciting. We had 22 disciples from Blue Ridge Show, which was awesome, uh, 15 campus, so, um, so a lot of campus, which was great. Uh, showing up there to learn how to be better equipped to lead the people of God. To you know, not whether it's a, not not official or not, but just as a, as a person, how you can lead. And it's really exciting. There was a great lesson Ed did. I want to really encourage everybody. I'm going to try to put it up on the Facebook page that Ed did on generational lift and how the second generation tends to always have less faith than the first. And how can we how can we continue to not compare ourselves with ourselves and say, well, we're just you know, I'm, I'm doing I'm doing what Dad did or I'm doing what Mom did, but no, no, no say, are you doing what Jesus did? Uh, comparing yourself to those, so to really keep our fervor and not over time have that inevitable regression back toward the mean, you know, inevitable fade into the background. And, you know, we don't, none of us want to see that. And I was really convicted myself, thinking about all the things that I can say to myself, all the excuses I can make. There was a brother uh, in the Hampton Roads who went on a, a, a mission trip to Sri Lanka, came back engaged. Um, uh, they do it a little differently in India. Uh, he, he he wasn't spreading this around, but they actually set their their date for their wedding before they were engaged. Uh, they only do three dates in India. Uh, I guess her parents dated, met, met once on a date and then got engaged uh, after that. So you only do three dates. If you're on a second date, that means you really like that person. A se- there's no second date if there's no possible interest there. Second date is, and then third date means we're getting engaged. So it happens pretty quick. They've been dating three months. They're engaged. There you go. It's pretty awesome. Uh, there's a different, think, a different way to think about that. But they're engaged, and he, they were sharing some stories some really encouraging stories from our, our sister churches, our brothers and sisters out in uh, the Indian subcontinent. I mean, stories about the church in, in Pakistan, uh, how they have to have uh, metal detectors and uh, armed security guards because they have people constantly trying to, uh, you know, kill them because it's a Muslim country, it's a, it's a theocracy uh, there in, in Pakistan. So just like they're constantly aware that they could die um, there in Pakistan just for being a Christian. Um, shared another story about a young man, 15, from a Muslim family who became a disciple, and then his family rejected him. His mom said, don't ever call me your mom again. Uh, his dad died a couple weeks later of a heart attack, and his family blamed him. said, because you became a Christian, uh, your dad died. Um, and, and so but it's just amazing. But this young 15-year-old boy, he's hurt by it, he's cut by it, but 
as the group met a few days after that to share their faith, he was there. He was with them to go share his faith. Uh, just inspiring things that blow. I was like sitting there like amazed and challenged, like, man, my excuses, uh, you know, are, are nothing. I mean, we, this is, these are not, it's not like a different culture, different society. All the excuses we can make, it's, it's people. It's people, too, who love God. Uh, and then that same boy, I think they said he makes like $2.50 $2. a day, uh, working nine hours. Um, so, you know, it's just different. It's a different world. Uh, they're, they're, they're laying their life down for Christ. Uh, so that's inspiring always to hear and to see. And I, I left with a lot of challenges. All those lessons will be up on uh, Hampton Roads' website. We'll try to link those over to ours uh, so that you can see them. I want to encourage everybody, especially parents, to watch Ed's, which was, which was very, very good on a generational faith. Uh, so we're going to talk today about the good news. What is the good news? You know, Paul, 2,000 years ago, Paul endured every hardship uh, going from Syria to Greece to Turkey to Asia Minor to Rome and eventually to Spain just to tell people the good news, which was what? I mean, it changed his entire life. He was going door to door. He was put in prison. If you want to hear, hear a, you know, a, a, a line, a cue of all of his all the things he went through, all the things he endured. You know, 2 Second, Second Corinthians um, 11 and 12 has that. Uh, but he was flogged. He got the 40 lashes, 40 lashes minus one three times. You know, uh, his back is covered in stripes. Uh, he often went without food. He went without clothes. You know, he, 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 he gave up his life for the good news. And what was that good news? Was it knocking on each door? Hey, I wanted to spread the good news. I wanted to tell you if you just... Believe right now in, in Jesus and that he died, you won't have to go to hell. Was it that? Was it, was it did he knock and say, you know what, I want to tell you that uh, if, you just, if you just believe and have faith in what God did for you, you won't have to ever feel guilty. You don't have to be afraid of God anymore. You just have to understand what he did for you, say it out loud, uh, and then you're, you're in, you're good. And you never have to, is that, is that what transformed his life? You know, all those statements have truth aspects to them, but I don't think that's the whole good news. And I think, I think sometimes for us, we can get in the same boat wherever we're coming from today, uh, wherever we are now. Maybe we've been a Christian for a long time. Maybe we consider ourselves a Christian, but we're not really a true disciple. It's not, it's not something that, that has rearranged our entire life. It's not top priority. Uh, and that's, that's clear whether we have accepted that truth or not. It is clear. Maybe it's more clear to others than you, but it's clear uh, you know, and so wherever we're coming from, maybe we're not a disciple. Maybe we're very aware of the fact that we're not a disciple. We've accepted it. We, we realize that. But it's crucial that we understand what indeed the good news is. Uh, what the, this thing that rearranged Paul's entire life, that led to his, his beheading in Rome, um, that, that led to his death, that his entire life was given up for this. What is, you know, the good news? Uh, you know, and, and I think it's a good news that today we struggle with. Uh, I've shared this before, but they did a survey, I think last year, year before, of young people uh, who were aspiring or open to getting married, and they said, what's your number one prerequisite for getting married? What's the thing that matters most to you? And far and away, for young people, it was, I want to find someone who loves me for me, who accepts me for me. Basically, this idea of, I don't want to have to change for anyone. So people were going into marriage with no expectation to change, no expectation to sacrifice, and if that does actually happen... um, then they feel like, wow, this must have been a mistake. i got to go find somebody else. Because it's not, because they're trying to change me, because they're trying to 
you know, they don't, they don't love me for me is a way of saying it. it's not real love, but that's, that's kind of how we view it. Then we think, well, I got to go find somebody else. And, and we, we, we buy into uh, a fake form of love uh, that the world, the world kind of lifts up for us to see. And it's everywhere, you know, it's, it's in everything, this idea of love. Um, but when you look at what Paul was really trying to help people see, uh, he was trying to help people see that the gospel, the good news, is really one of change. Uh, it's one of transformation. Uh, you know, and, and that's what that's my title is. The good news is change. The good news is change. And a lot of us, we've, we've repented and been baptized. Amen. We, and not just repentance of like, oh, I felt guilty, but actual, I've changed my life. Uh, and we've been baptized, which is awesome, which means, biblically, we have the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's true. It, it, the Spirit dwells in you. Uh, he's in there. Uh, now, the question is, a lot of us, when we get baptized, that's the the most excited we ever get. That's the most faithful we'll ever be. Most, you know, and, and it just kind of tends to fall off. And for a good amount of us, if we're being real, we do walk away. People walk away from the faith. They give up. Maybe not. If they don't do it openly, even though they're here, they've walked away. You know, they, they left a long time ago in their heart. And, and, and so what happens? I think we all understand this in the Bible studies. When we go through the Bible studies, it's very clear in the scriptures uh, what the call is. But I think over time... And I think as we, as we listen to what the world says and, and, and as we slowly, 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 slowly move back to where we came from, uh, there's a great quote that Ed shared yesterday in a book called Slouching Toward Gomorrah, which is an amazing title. Uh, Slouching Toward Gomorrah. But the title says, or the quote rather is, you know, uh, when we see something that alarms us, um, you know, we're, we're alarmed by it, but then we quickly become accustomed to it. We're like, how could that ever happen? And the next day, we've, we've accepted it. What alarmed us 10 years ago doesn't alarm us today. You know, and, and this idea of we, 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 it doesn't wake us up anymore. You know, and Paul wants us to understand that there's, there's, a, there's a lot hanging in the balance. Um, this is an awesome passage in 2 Corinthians 6.1. I pray that none of us are in this camp. But the, the Bible says, as God's coworkers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. Now, what does that mean to receive God's grace in vain? Well, think about it as we go to the next one. Galatians 2, 21. Forgot the black outline on that one. I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. So as we go back to both of these, are we receiving God's grace in vain or are we setting aside the grace of God? We don't want to do either of those things. And sometimes when we look at the gospel, we do both of those. We receive the, the, the grace of God in vain and we set it aside. And what we begin to make the gospel about is the opposite of change. It becomes, the gospel becomes, how can I add this into my life without having to change very much? Which church fits me best? Which church do I like the most? Which church fits my, and how many times do people wander in here and say they're church shopping? Uh, or that, you know, that they, they're, look, they're looking for something in a church that fits their lifestyle, right? I mean, everything about the gospel becomes, I don't want to change. And maybe we don't begin that way for some of us, but that's, how, that's where we get. Uh, we get to that point where we were driving 45 minutes to get to church, but now, that's eh, too far. Uh, we were reading our Bibles every morning first thing, but now... What's the worst that could happen if I, if I read it tomorrow or if I put it off? Or, you know, we were asking for help. We were getting advice. 
Uh, but then now we think, well, th their life, you know, isn't much better than mine, so why, why do it? Or we think, well, no one can understand my predicament. It's too difficult. And this can happen in any life stage, any life stage. Uh, I hear it in campus. Man, campus, I feel like I'm, I'm only 28, so I have not experienced all walks of life uh, just yet. Uh, but I can say this past week, sharing my faith at JMU, there's something that bothers me, and it's always bothered me. When I share my faith and I go out and I evangelize and I say, hey, man, I kind of, you know, tell them about Jesus, tell them about my, uh, my experience with the Bible and how I became a disciple when I was 14 and I was a hypocrite and all these things. I share that with somebody, and then someone's like, oh, that sounds great. I really wish I could. I'm just so busy. And I'm like, you're a, you're a freshman, right? Or, you know, you're a, you're a freshman in college, right? You know, and they're like, yeah. And I'm like, so I always ask the same question. I always say, well, if you weren't busy, would you come? And they go, yeah, if I wasn't busy, sure. So, so, so then I have my in, right? Uh, and so, okay, well, I'm willing to meet you whenever, wherever. I'll meet you at midnight. I'll meet you at 6 a.m. This is so important. Let's meet up. It's, it's no, no obstacle to me. I'll drive here. Let's meet up. You know? And then they're like, well, so that wasn't the issue. <laughs> it wasn't that you were busy. So I always struggle. I'm like, if you're, don't lie to me. I'm like, so I always usually ask guys, like, are you just not interested? Do you just not care? You know? And people don't ever want to say that. They don't want to say it. They don't want to say, I don't care about Jesus. They, no, it's easier to say, oh, I love what you're doing. This is awesome, what you're doing. I love it. But I'm just so busy. And I usually, I remember sharing my faith with Stephen once, and Stephen was just like, as a senior, he was like, well, I'm a senior, and you're not going to get any less busy. You know, you're not going to get any more free time than you are now. This is as good as it gets. So if you're saying no now, you're probably not going to say no next year. Or you're probably not going to say yes next year. You know, it's not going to get any better. And, and, and for people, it's not really about that. They don't want to change. They don't want to change. You know, that's campus. Think about one, one area right now that that's, that's, that's really seems like it has a really justifiable excuse is young marrieds with, with kids, young families. That seems like a really good excuse to kind of lay off the discipleship, right, to kind of back off where you once were. It's not that, I, you know, I'm busy, but I have a, I have a kid, I have a two-year-old, a one-year-old. You have no idea what it's like. Or it's so difficult, or I'm not getting sleep, or I'm frustrated more than I used to be, or I can't read, or I don't have this, and I don't have that. You know, and we can think, man, that, that, that's my excuse. That's why I can't uh, do that, or I can't find that, or, or, and we don't want to change. And the bottom line is we don't want to change. You know, empty nesters. You know, we can, empty nesters can feel like, well, I want to contribute, but how can I contribute? How can I? Empty nesters have a lot of wisdom. They have, they've been around a while. They, they've seen things. They have, and the Bible makes a pretty strong claim, you know, through Proverbs, listen to your elders, listen to wisdom. It's crucial, right? But that, they can think, but sometimes we get stuck in our schedules, or we think people don't care, and we don't even try. We don't, and, and so the whole gospel, as Paul presents it through the Holy Spirit, is one about change. And I think what happens is when we lose the, the vision, when we lose this perspective of, of change, we begin to set God's grace aside. We begin to receive it in vain. That's so scary, church, the idea that Christ died for nothing. And we know that he didn't, but in our lives, let me ask you this morning, did Christ die for nothing in your life? If you haven't changed, if you've just assented to some, oh, I just believe in the existence of God, have we set aside the grace of God? Have we received it in vain if, there, if it has not? We've even changed the word, the, what the word faith means. We've changed what it means. You know, I think about, think about having faith. What did it mean in the Bible? Uh, you know, we've changed what the, you know, these words just become more and more what we want them to be uh, instead of what the Bible says. We compare ourselves to each other. Uh, you know, we are too informed by the world. We're too informed by ourselves. 
we're less informed by the scriptures. I wonder if we could look at a bar graph of what's informing our conscience weekly. How much time do you spend watching the news? How much time do you spend talking to somebody? How much time do you spend praying and reading the Bible? And then you wonder, like, you know, are we informing our consciences with the scripture? If not, we're going to slowly lose what the gospel really is, and we're going to buy into what the rest of the world says the gospel is, you know, instead of what the Bible actually says. And, and a side effect of this is that our expectations drop dramatically. When, when we don't really know the truth of the gospel, our expectations plummet. It just, becomes, it just becomes about making it, which church I can go to after I find the job I really want, uh, after I find the person I really want to marry, after I do what I really want this week with my schedule. Then I might, you know, do this or that. And I'm encouraged by the people who, you know, who, who the retreat yesterday, I mean, you know, it, it moved. It was supposed to be one day. Weather canceled. It moved the next week. There were a lot of excuses for people to say, well, I can't make it. Didn't get a babysitter. Didn't get this. I can't. It's, it's too last minute. But it was great to see uh, double what we thought were there. It was about 500 people there, 500 disciples, which was, which was amazing. But to be able to think, like, man, are we willing to still change? Because I've been here where you're excited at first. You come out of the waters of baptism. You're pumped. Anything's possible, right? Bring it on. You name it. It's going to be awesome. Uh, and then I'm out here, you know, fast forward 14 years later for me. And I can have these thoughts where people say things like, even, I, even a couple years ago when I was struggling, you know, mightily with some stubborn sins, and brothers would say, dude, you can get there. And I remember thinking, I, I don't really believe it. And I remember even saying, like, I think this is just going to be me the rest of my life. And I just have to kind of accept that. And they, one of my friends, you know, you guys know Greg Campbell from Kentucky. You know, he was just like indignant and aghast by that. Like, what did you just say? Like, but that's where, I, that's where my heart had got. That's where my heart had arrived. It arrived this, this, this acceptance of, I guess, this is just what I am. I guess this is just what it is. Even today, I think, you know, Jenny and I have been living in the same apartment complex for six months. And I was thinking yesterday, it's been on my heart to do this, but to go and evangelize the neighborhood and just go invite everybody to church or have a Bible study. And I haven't done it yet. And I was thinking, why haven't I done it? And I was all these things. And I thought, well, nobody else has really done that. So... Maybe it's not really normal. I don't want to be, you know, weird. Or we don't really do those kinds of things. Or that's not really the best way to go about it. And I'm like, wow, my expectations have lowered dramatically from when I became a disciple. I'm just going to hope somebody bumps into me, you know, asking to know about God. But what do we see in the scriptures? What do we see in the scriptures? I was comparing myself with others instead of looking at the scriptures, and my expectations began to drop. Dramatically, It doesn't mean we have our head in the clouds and just saying whatever we want. No, but it means that God really can deliver if we allow the most powerful agent he's ever given us to really do his work. And that's the Holy Spirit. You know, we start start calling the shots ourselves instead of what the Holy Spirit is trying to call us to do. The gospel is all it really is. And we'll talk about this in in the next coming weeks. And, you know, this year is going to be focused on it. But the gospel really is... When you repent and be baptized, you're accepting the grace of God uh, to be able for God to set in motion the forces that will transform you for the rest of your life. So it's the beginning of something. It's not the end. We get baptized and we think we've, we've cashed in. Salvation's here. I'm saved. I can't lose it. See you, God. I'm going to do what I want. Uh, we may not say that. Maybe we live like that. Uh, and we just, we just live selfishly the rest of our lives, maybe with some kind of a veneer of spirituality to, like, ward off any, any intruders who might ask us 
questions about, you know, that, that might be too invasive. But, but we don't, you know, we think, well, I'm just going to do what I really want because I have what I want. But really in the Bible, we'll talk about this, but salvation is here, but it's also not yet. We have to continue to strive to, be, to let the Spirit transform us. God, when he sent Christ, set in motion the forces that will not only transform me, but transform us as the community of God. It will also transform the world as we really begin to believe once again that God will and we will evangelize the world. Uh, to really even see that or believe that. Because I think sometimes we just we don't believe it because our expectations are so stinking low. Yeah. We have no, we, have, we, we think about having somebody over for dinner and it, we're like, oh, I feel, I feel stressed. <laughs> you know, that's stressful. You know, I've been there, I've been there. But I think we gotta, we gotta really get back into having our consciences informed by the scriptures and not by, not by the world and what we see out there. Because sure, that's, the world's tried. There are no answers out there. You can see it. Don't look at it too long because you'll get depressed. But look at, look at what, read a newspaper or for the young guys, go to a news website, uh, you know, and uh, it's like, what's that? Uh, but read it, you know, everyone's got their, this is going to make everything better. How could the other side do this? How could the other side do that? And I'm thinking we, we have our side right here and the, it's worked. He's worked. He's done it. God's a, God is a professional at marriage. He's much better at marriage. And then he created the thing, right? God created man and woman. I think he's going to understand probably a little bit about marriage than, than the world. God created you. God created these things. He understands. He's seen civilizations rise and fall. God knows everything. He's seen it. These trees have seen more than you have. These trees are more experienced than you do. So we got, God is the creator. God, why, are, why is the pottery questioning the potter? Let's not forget what the true gospel really is. That it's to set in motion in us the forces, namely the Holy Spirit, that will change you. And you're thinking, well, that's just not me. That's the point. The point is, I'm not really good at evangelism. That's the point. You will be good at evangelism if you let the Spirit work. I'm not really good at forgiveness. Neither am I. But let's let the Spirit work. Well, I'm not really, I don't don't really do that. I'm kind of an introvert. I love Stephen's heart. He's an introvert. He's out there sharing his faith every day. It's not his natural thing. He's doing it because the Spirit's going to work. Uh, it's not my strength to pray. Prayer for me is so difficult. It is so difficult because I'm so proud that I think, I know the answer. Why am I praying? That's what I think sometimes. I'll be real. I'll be real with you. I know the answer. Why would I consult God? And that my, my pride gets in the way. But if I, prayer for me is like that. Like it's not my strength, but I can become a prayer warrior. That can be who I am because it's not me. It's the spirit. And we've got to forget that we're just going to, we're going to get in the way. We're going we're gonna to get in the way of God's plan. Uh, and, and it won't stop God. He'll just find somebody else. Uh, that's, that's the scary part here. And we water everything down. Evangelism is just now, we water it down. We say evangelism is just mentioning Jesus in a conversation. Evangelism is just mentioning church. It's just handing out an invite. Instead of sharing your faith with people radically, talking to strangers, talking to your neighbors, going out of your way to reach people. You know, i got to be honest, for me, that's, I think since I arrived in Charlottesville, my evangelisms, my convictions have been watered down since I've arrived. i gotta, I got to take a look at that. i got to go back to the scriptures, and i got to repent. i got to be honest, and I want your guys' help to repent. Ask me how it's been. Ask me how I'm doing with evangelism. I need that. You know, purity becomes watered down. It just becomes, well, sexual purity is just going to be, I'm just going to avoid anything explicit. But what about your heart? 
What about emotional purity? You spend all day thinking about that guy. Just because it's not sexual doesn't mean it's not impurity. Where's your heart? Are you still trying to be like Christ? You're just trying not to mess up. Are you still just trying? Well, purity is just I don't want to do anything explicit. I didn't do anything explicit. That's not what purity is. Right? Love is just trying not to be angry. Since when did love become just trying not to have a fit of rage? Right? Love is so much more than that, but we water it down. Forgiveness is just avoiding that person in the future. I forgave him. I'm just going to avoid him from now on. You know, I don't, you know what, what does Christ say? Christ actually speaks on all these things in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Let's take a look at it. Are we loving? Are we forgiving? Are we sharing our faith like Christ? Or have we watered it down and have we lowered our expectations? Because when we lower our expectations, it's not exciting. None of us want to, you know, if we're just trying not to lose, we're just trying not to, to live life. You know, that, that wasn't what drove Paul. It wasn't a selfish gospel that said, just, just believe right now and you'll be saved. That's just a selfish gospel. No wonder everyone's dissatisfied with Christianity. Because that's not the gospel. That's not what Christ came to do. Christ didn't say that four times in each gospel. Christ said something else. We'll look at it in a second. Getting ahead of myself. Faith in the gospel have been reduced to something more limited and less invasive and less pervasive. The gospel's been limited. You know, it's been, and it's, it's just, it's not powerful. And I wonder, and I'm scared. You know, when you read Revelation 3, Christ often says to these churches, I might take my lampstand away from you. Well, what does that mean? It means that Christ, God may no longer regard that church as his church if you don't change. Right? How scary is that if God no longer, God's going to no longer regard Blue Ridge as his church if we don't change? There's real stakes here. And it's not about us because we're all flawed. We all are going to make mistakes. We all have made mistakes probably this morning even. We all got to confess some stuff after church. But it's not about that. It's about how amazing our God is. It's about how powerful the Holy Spirit is. We talked about how faith, the word faith's been watered down. You know, how it's just something that's slightly added to our lifestyle with the promise that you won't have to do or change anything in your life that you don't want to. That's why the, you know, a lot of us go through the Bible studies. Some of you may be familiar with the discipleship study. It's one of the hardest studies because the people, people don't like the idea of having to change. Uh, we, none of us do. I mean, but what's, what's amazing, think about this. And Christ understood this. But think about what, what makes any relationship possible, any relationship worthwhile possible. Some of the strongest relationships are those of you know, men in the military who fought and been in war together. You know, so marriages, marriages, some of the strongest relationships. What, what makes a relationship so strong? And it's the idea that you have to give in order to get. You have to give. You have to sacrifice in order to receive. Go over to Mark chapter 8. This is what Christ understood more than anything because Christ was there in the beginning. He understands people. You know, I want to share something with you. Paul's gospel was no different than Christ's gospel. You know, when Paul's sharing his faith with his head on fire, you know, his hair on fire there in Turkey and Greece and Rome and Spain, he's doing just what he saw his Lord Jesus do in in, in just a little bit south there. Jesus says this so many times. Think about this. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, this very saying is said close to eight times. Um, we barely even have stories that line up in each. Like we, don't, we barely have like a story that appears in Mark and appears in John. Sometimes it's one and two, sometimes it's two and three. But nothing really appears across the board, just feeding the 5,000 and the crucifixion. Um, but really, besides those two things, nothing else acro- happens across the board. Except this saying. 
This saying appears when John, uh, Mark, Luke, uh, and Matthew are all writing their Gospels. They write this down. Some of them wrote it down more than once. So you know that Christ said this. You know he said it probably way more than we can even think. But here's Christ in Mark 8 in Caesarea Philippi. Then he called the crowd in verse 34. Then he called the crowd to him. Sorry, I should have said that. Verse 34. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. This is the heart of Christ's gospel. This here. Do we still live this way? Do we still do exactly what Christ called us to do? You know, Christ is a good shepherd. Our God is not some king up in the sky who laughs at us and makes us feel pain and doesn't ever go through what we went through. Our God is a God who sent his only son to lead the way, to show us how to do this. Jesus says, listen, deny yourself and carry your cross, but don't worry, you're going to fail. Watch me do it. I'm going to live this life. I'm going to be rejected by my family. Think about that boy in India. He, he wasn't alone. Jesus went through that too. Jesus is going to be rejected by his family. He's going to be raised illegitimate without, without a, you know, being born or conceived out of wedlock. No, no rights for Jesus, right? He's got nothing. He's a blue-collar worker. He's a carpenter. Uh, he, he's, he's laughed at by, by most. Uh, his most dedicated followers are some, some fishermen and some zealots. It's not the, nobody's looking at Jesus like revering him. as like, wow. You know, they, they, loved, they, they looked at the miracles, but Jesus had nothing in him that would draw us to him. Isaiah 53 tells us that. There's nothing in him that would draw us to him. He's not well-dressed. He's not affluent. You know, he's not, you know, he didn't get a college degree. He's not that guy. He didn't, he's a single guy, 30-year-old single guy, illegitimate. And Jesus says, listen, I'm going to walk that life. And Jesus constantly reminds us, Matthew 10, this is what he says. If they reject you, remember they rejected me. If they kill you, remember they, they killed me. If they, if they, if, you know, if they laughed at you, they laughed at me. And Christ is trying to help us see, God, I'm not going to call you to do anything I haven't already done. And when we look at Christ, it inspires us. It inspires me to look at Christ. That makes me want to share my faith. It makes me. And the more I see Christ do, and the more I'm aware of my shortcomings in the light of what Christ has called me to do, the more I, I strive to not receive God's grace in vain not to set aside God's grace. Another great passage in Galatians 3.14 says, He redeemed us in order that the blessings given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Now, we know that from 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 14, that the Lord is the Spirit. When we receive the Holy Spirit at our baptism, according to Acts 2 and Acts 22, we receive that Holy Spirit, but who is the Spirit? The Spirit's Christ. We know what the Holy Spirit would want us to do in a situation because we've seen what Christ did. We know what the Holy, as the Holy Spirit says, hey, talk to that guy. It's because Christ would have. When the Holy Spirit says, hey, you should apologize to your wife before she apologizes to you, it's because Christ would have. It's to apologize to your kids. If, if Christ, it's because Christ would have. He's laid the foundation. He's done it all. He's laid it out. It's because you're thinking, well, the first week at JMU's over, so I can, really, I can really take my foot off the gas in terms of evangelism. But it's the Holy Spirit that says, no, there's that person sitting next to you in your class who you're building that friendship with. Be, you, reach out to them because Christ would have, because he did. 
He did, and he, he reached out to you. He died for you. He apologized to you. He sacrificed to you. He, he laid it all out there for you. So surely we can do it. That's the, that's the power that we have in the Holy Spirit, is remembering Jesus. I appreciate what Evie said earlier. We got, our God is bigger than that. It's about our God. It's not about us. Um, I don't want to tell you what I'm capable of outside of God. It's not impressive. A lot of people do, you know, do, they work hard their whole life, motivated by self-improvement or things. We don't have to try to achieve an identity in our performance. And that, that just should, that should take a lot of stress off. If it doesn't, I encourage you to really spend some time in your Bible and get some discipling time. But just knowing, man, if we've been, become disciples, we don't have to achieve our identity and how, how well we do, but we get to be transformed. We get to live like Christ. Uh, we can struggle with these things because we can think, I don't, you're telling me I got to do all this stuff. Yes, I am. Because that's, that's what we would do in any kind of love situation, right? I would never do that. In a true love situation, you would never be like, well, you know, I'm not going to do these things for you. We want to. You know, I think about when Jenny and I were dating. I was, she didn't have to ask me to, to do things. I was thinking ahead. Okay, her birthday's coming up. She mentioned that she likes this. She mentioned she likes that. She mentioned that these two girls are close to her. If I can get them to be in town for her birthday, she likes this tapas place. Let's go to the tapas place. Even though I don't like tapas at all, really. It's kind of a silly idea. But we're going to go there, and we're going we're gonna to be there, and we're going to sit on the little cushions, and we're going to have, and her friends are going to be there. We're going to sit on the cushions and eat tapas, and I'm going to have a blast doing it, right? Do I like any of those things? No, I do not. But I had fun, and I enjoyed it because it was for somebody that I loved, right? And so you don't... You don't have to, it's not about, well, i got to do all this stuff. The point is, do you really love God? Or do you really just love yourself and want to slide God into your life as best as it cannot change what you've already chosen as your gods, what you've already chosen as your priorities? That's the real issue. God hasn't moved in thousands of years. We've moved. We've changed. God is light and God is love. We change. We struggle. So that's why God gives us the exact person we need in the Holy Spirit to be there with us, to call us, to help us. I know you're going to fall, but I have given you exactly who you need, Jesus. He's right there with you. Even if you mess up and don't share with that guy, Jesus is there going, next time. Next time. We'll get him. I'm here with you. I know you messed up. I know you blew it. We're going to get this. I'm here with you. God has equipped us to to do his will here on earth. And that should be exciting, guys. We should be eager to get discipling, eager to be vulnerable, eager to talk about stuff that's kind of like, that's embarrassing, because we know it's not about us. It's about Christ. And that should be freeing. If it's not freeing, something is systemically wrong in us. And we've got to be alarmed by it. Don't leave and say, side hug, side hug, side hug. I'm doing great. Bye, adios. I'm out of here. I'm going to watch the game. You know, like don't, if you really feel that in your heart, go get lunch, Right? Go to Lane's lunch, sit next to a disciple, and have a conversation about something spiritual. There's some great people in the church who are really good at it, and sometimes I feel like, like uh, you know, like other folks, I don't know, like maybe it's our, it's our you know, relationship, and i got to do better, but there are certain people I'm like, we got to have more spiritual conversations, and that's on me too. How can I initiate that, and how can I listen to the Spirit and not just be insecure about who I am? Faith is not just believe in my death and you'll go to heaven. That's, that's, that's not what Christ died for. Faith entails wholehearted devotion. Faith is wholehearted devotion. It always was. Uh, it's, not, it's like, well, faith and works, they're not that different. They're kind of the same thing. Uh, that's what A.W. Tozer said. The more you try to figure out what's work and what's works and what's faith, the more you're just separating two blades of the scissors. They, they, they kind of need each other to work. 
why are you separating the two? They need to work together. They should mutually strengthen each other. Uh, Romans 6.13, it's all about change. This is, do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. So if you've been baptized, if you've repented, offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. It's an action. We have to offer ourselves up for it. Sometimes we wander into situations where we can become um, vulnerable or, or humble. Let's offer ourselves up for humility. Let's offer ourselves up for friendship, for love, for forgiveness. Let's offer ourselves up for evangelism. Let's think about it and let's go for it. And here's, here's the one I really love. I love this passage. 2 Corinthians 5.15, and we'll close out with this. He died for all, so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Man, I love that one. I'll read it again. He died for all, so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. You know, that's our God. That's our God. He didn't just tell us that we have to obey and then he'll love us. He says, no, listen, I sent my son already to die for you. All it takes is for you to love me back. Do you love God back? There's no question in his affection for you. There's no question in God's divine uh, uh, justice. He's proven himself. He, he cannot be questioned by us. Uh, it's like an ant showing up in your house questioning the way you run your house. You're like, you're just an ant. Get out of my house. I'm talking to you. It's a silly illustration, but I think it works a little bit. Um, you know, and it's like, you know, why, why, can we, why can the pottery question the potter? God gives you the chance. It's your decision to be reconciled to him and become a new person through the Holy Spirit. I love this. God wants you to become, through the Holy Spirit, someone who wants to do and think and say what is pleasing to God. That's what God wants from us. He wants us to be transformed into somebody who, who thinks and does and says what God, what's pleasing to God. That's, what, that's the end result. For, some, for, for all of us, that's not today. We need to get there. And it's, an, it's going to be an exciting trip as we work together. And I don't know what's going to come along the way, but that's the goal for all of us, to be able to strive to be more and more like God every day. Every day to choose, you know what, Drew wants this. Drew really wants this, but you know what, what does the Holy Spirit want? What does Christ want? And i got to tell you, every time, I'm so excited I chose what the Holy Spirit wants. The more I chose for myself, the more I became more insecure. I wanted to be alone more. I didn't want anybody to talk to me. And it just hurt. It killed me. But the more I chose what God wanted, even though I, a lot of times, yes, I was more physically tired. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Yeah, sometimes, you know, there were some things that came up, some struggles. But that's life. Life is a struggle. I'd rather do it with the Holy Spirit than out there on my own. Have you accepted a watered-down message of the gospel? What's your definition of faith? Is it just believing or is it a wholehearted devotion? Have you lowered expectations of what God can do in your life? Have you lowered expectations of what God can do in your Bible talk, in your family group? You know, some of us are like, man, if that brother could just come to church, I would be encouraged. You know, like the, guy, the, the sister that I'm trying to help, if she could just call me back. But let, let's, let's, be, let's, have, let's dream for each other. Let's, what, could, what, what sister in your group, don't look at her with a worldly point of view. Look at her how Christ would. Don't look at your brother from a worldly point of view. Look at him how Christ would look. Could he, what could he do? What are his gifts? What are, how could he work this, this year, this semester? This, how, how, how could he grow? What, what can he do? Because God doesn't look at you like that. 
Man, I know, and we're so grateful for that. He died for us. You know, don't look down on others, but let's be humble and let's dream for each other and dream for this church. And it's not far away at all that each one of us this year, just think about it, this year, I have my goal. I think, man, if we all could just evangelize our area, if we all could just evangelize our area, how many people in Charlottesville could hear the true good news? How many people who are living in slavery, who are, who are living in depression, who are living in, in trying to find acceptance in their performance? How many people could come? And if we each just helped one friend, if we helped one friend know the good news this year, I mean, what would this room look like? And I think that, that's totally doable. Me? Make, and that's exciting to me. Because I think about friends I've made last year. I think about Chris Garbo. I think about Aaron Stevens. Like, these are, these are friends. It's not like these are guys I enjoy spending time with, guys that I learn from, right? This is, this is like, so, like, that's exciting to me that I could, like, there's more Chris Garbas out there? What? There's more Aaron Stevens out there? What? That's awesome. There's more Leah Travers. There's more Charlie Smiths. That's awesome. They're out there somewhere, and they're ready. They're eager to be asked. They're eager just for us to, 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 get, to get ourselves out of the way so we can really help Christ. Sorry, we can really help ourselves and help each other be more like Christ. And yes, will, will things come up? Will tough times come? Yes, but we're going to have the power of God at our side. We're going to have the Holy Spirit within us, and we're going to have the example of Christ before us. And I want to encourage this church as we go this year, as we strive, uh, just imagine, just let yourself imagine what could happen. What's out there? What could God do? What, 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 what new friendships can be forged even? That's a miracle in itself. What new friendships this year can be forged if you simply view people like Christ did? And I want to encourage this church not to, not to water down our expectations, not to be like, well, if I could just do this. No, what can God do? Forget what you can do. What can God do this semester? What can the Holy Spirit do this, even just today in the fellowship when we break in, in three minutes? What new people can you meet? What new friendships can you meet? Who can you pray with? Who can you share scripture with? Th- that can happen today. And that would be a great day if it did, if we could just get ourselves out of the way. It's not about being cool. It's not about catching lunch. Lunch is going to be there when you get there. It's okay. But let's spend time together, and let's really love each other as Christ would. And the message, the, the gospel, the good news, is one of change, is one of transformation that we start off. If you notice the slides, you see the slides? It was like a cocoon, and then it became a butterfly. Subliminal messaging. Uh, so that we all start off that way, but what can God do? Uh, throughout the year. Amen, and to God be the glory.